Good morning. Welcome back to another daily devotion. And today we're going to be starting a new book. We're in the book of First Peter. And as we look at First Peter, uh, we see that Peter is going to give his readers really a, a lot of uh, challenges of how they're to live. He's going to really call them to action. But before he gets into the action that he's called them to, he begins by really laying a foundation of their faith and reminding them of the benefits that they have in Christ and that these benefits strengthen them and allow them to live according to the great calling that God has given them. You know, it was two weeks ago in our Sunday morning services that I preached out of 1 Peter 1, so if you'd like to get the full passage, and you could go and you could look at uh, that sermon. But today we're just going to take a few minutes to go through the high points here. And what we see in 1 Peter 1 is that Peter reminds them of five foundational truths. These truths really lay the foundation that strengthen them and remind them of the blessings that they have, which will enable them to live this high calling that God has given them, that they would be lights in this world, that they would be able to conduct themselves in a way that others would see, and that they would come to know God and glorify God. And the first thing that Peter does is he reminds them that they're recipients of God's great mercy, that they have salvation, that they have received this gift of eternal life. And, and Peter reminds them of that in verses 1 through 3, right? He reminds them that they were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. That's uh, verses uh, 1, 2, and 3. And so Peter reminds them, hey, you have been chosen by God. You've been sanctified by the Spirit. You've been sprinkled with Christ's blood. That every member of the Trinity was involved in your salvation, that God has saved you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then he goes on in verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he reminds them that they've been born again, that they've received God's great mercy. So the first foundational truth that Peter lays out for them and reminds them of is that they're recipients of God's great mercy. The second truth that we see is in verses 4 and 5, and he reminds them that along with their salvation that they have received an inheritance, that this inheritance is secure, it's waiting for them in heaven, that they can look forward to it with confidence, that it's not going to perish, it's not going to fade away. So Peter, he says that you've been uh, saved, you've received God's mercy to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And so he says, hey, this is an inheritance that is imperishable. It's never going to go bad. It's undefiled. It's never going to uh, somehow tarnish or become evil. It's not going to be corrupted by sin. And it's unfading. It will never fade away. It's never going to lose its glory and its luster. And he says, this inheritance has been prepared for you. It's waiting for you. It's being protected uh, by God for you. And it will be revealed at the last time. As sure as Christ Jesus is coming back, you're going to enjoy this inheritance. And so the third truth that we see that Peter lays out here 
before he calls the readers to action is that God has given them great trials. So they've been the recipients of great mercy. They're a recipient of a great inheritance, but they're also recipients of great trials. And he reminds them, you've gone through these trials, and that has proven your faith. You are genuine believers. You guys have saving faith because you've trusted Christ, even though it's meant enduring hardship. And he says that that testing of your faith has revealed that your faith is more precious than gold, that it is uh, more precious than this gold that's been refined by fire. And the idea that God has taken them through trials and fires. And, and what have those fires revealed? Well, that they're true believers. Remember, uh, false believers are going to fall away. Jesus gave the parable of seeds, right? And you have those seeds that sprouted and immediately rejoiced, but then when the trials of life came, they withered because they did not have that firm foundation that they weren't they weren't truly saved. And so here Peter reminds them, "Hey, you guys have gone through trials, and that just shows that you are saved." If we read through the passage here, we see it in verse 6 through 9, he says, "In this you greatly rejoice." even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, hey, you've been distressed, but these uh, distressing trials are necessary and that they have proven your faith. Then he goes on, he says, and though you haven't seen him, referring to Christ, you haven't seen Christ, but you love him and you believe in him. And so Peter is saying, hey, your faith is genuine and the trials that you've endured, which God has allowed into your life, those reveal your faith. So he reminds them that even though things have not gone easily, that their faith has been vindicated and authenticated by these trials. So they've been the recipients of God's great mercy. They're a recipient of this great inheritance. They've received great trials. And then Peter goes on to say, and you guys have great understanding too. You guys have more understanding than the Old Testament prophets had, than the people of old. If you look down at verse 10, he says, As to the salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them, the prophets, that they were not serving themselves, but you, Peter's readers, in these things which have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel, by the Holy Spirit from heaven, things into which angels long to look. And so Peter says, hey, you have great understanding. You understand more than the prophets of old. You understand more than the angels because you understand the Old Testament and its fulfillment, the New Testament, that the gospel has been preached to you. You understand the details of who your Savior is. You see, the Old Testament saints, they looked ahead and they were trusting in this deliverer that God promised. They were trusting in this Messiah that God promised who would save them from their sins. They were trusting in this great king and prophet and priest, but they didn't know all of the details about it. But now the people could look and say that it's in the name of 
the Lord Jesus Christ, that I am saved. It is, it is Jesus of Nazareth. He is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament. So you have Peter reminding them that they have great understanding and that with this understanding, they can live according to their high calling. And then lastly, in verses 13 through 16, he says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. This is where he gets into the, the calling. And he reminds them that they've received great mercy and a great inheritance and great trials and great understanding, but now they've also received this great calling. And now he begins the part of the book where he calls them to action, saying, prepare your minds for action. As obedient children, don't be conformed to your former lusts. Verse 15 and 16, he reminds them of the Old Testament command that applies to them. You shall be holy, for I am holy. This is the command of God that he gave the Israelites. And now he gives to Christians that we are to be holy. And so that calling to be holy should impact the way that we live. It should impact the way that we endure hardship. It should impact the way that we love other people. It should impact the way that we love our families. It should impact the way that we work. Every aspect of our lives, it should impact that, that we would strive to be holy as God is holy. And so the rest of the chapter, he reminds them that they have this holy calling and that they uh, enjoy the benefits of being saved and with this high calling. Then at the end, in verse 22, he reminds them that you guys have been born again. He talks about being born again at the beginning of the chapter in verse uh, 3, and now at the end, in verse 23, he says, you guys have been born again of a seed which is uh, not perishable but imperishable, right? He said, you've been born again according to the living word of God that God has given you new life. And because of that new life, you have been changed from the inside out. And so now in chapters 2 and through the rest of the book, he's going to remind them this is how you're to live. In light of your new birth, in light of your calling, in light of all of these spiritual benefits that you have, this is the way that you are to live your life and continue on. So it's a great challenge for us, and I'm looking forward to reading through the rest of the book. I'm looking forward to the way that this epistle is going to really help you and challenge you. So until next time, read, study, and obey, and we'll see you then. God bless.